1: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production, available on Apple Podcasts
0: and Podcast One.
2: Welcome to Real Jam Radio. I'm Danny Lurie, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. This is the continuation of the Division Capsule series that I do during the off-season for Real Jam Radio. It is a combination off-season review and regular season preview the division this time is the central and two guests that are longtime friends of the Real Jam Radio podcast, the numerous other things, Nate Duncan of Dunked on Basketball podcast and Dan Feldman of NBC's Pro Basketball Talk. And so we go through a lot of different questions, a lot of different issues and Two controversial trades. We talk about those, of course, a little bit. We've both spent plenty of time talking about those. We didn't actually emphasize as much on the Jimmy Butler and Paul George trades, but really how everything that happened this offseason affected these teams, who got better, who got worse, and then a regular season preview. So how we expect to finish, who we expect to make the playoffs, potential breakout players. So going a lot of different fun directions, really did enjoy it. Two gifted talkers, as most of you will probably already know. And this episode is brought to you by two sponsors. Audible, who I've been a huge fan of for years, great way of getting audio content, audio books, comedy, things of that nature. You can go to audible.com slash real gm and you get a free 30-day trial along with a free audiobook. And then Blue Apron, fantastic food delivery service. You can go to BlueApron.com slash Real GM. Get your first three meals for free, including free shipping. BlueApron.com slash Real GM podcast runs a little bit over an hour. I think you'll really enjoy it. Thank you guys so much for coming on.
0: Thanks for having us.
1: (laughs) Yes. Thanks for having us as well. I had to do the, you always start off this way. I forgot when you have two guests of like, thanks for coming on. And then it's like, we both pause and wait and see who's going to say it first. So I've And
2: i known that the whole time and I never change it because I I enjoy that awkwardness. A lot of the other stuff is more choreographed, but that part, I don't want to change, but I like to kick off these with uh, a basic question, which is actually more compelling in this division than some of the other ones, is who got better and who got worse?
0: Well, I, I think it's pretty clear. Like, I don't think there's going to be much disagreement that the Pacers and Bulls got worse. Uh, I'd say the Cavs got worse, although I could see how some would argue the other way. I think the Pistons got better, and I'm sure I'm against the grain a little bit on that. And the Bucks, I have no idea. Like, I, could, I could go either way on that one.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Why do you think the Pistons got better? So they gained Avery Bradley. And and obviously, we're excising the long-term implications from this. But they got Avery Bradley. They lost Marcus Morris and KCP. So you're basically saying that Langston Galloway and Avery Bradley is a good trade versus Morris and KCP, or are you throwing anyone else into that as well?
0: Well, so, right, Morris is the big loss. uh, But the other things I would add are uh, Reggie Jackson being healthy. I think that'll go a long way. I think there'll be some. Hey, you can't internal- throw that
1: in, though. That's like he was already on the team, though.
0: Well, isn't the, isn't the question only will they be better next year than they were last year?
2: Yeah, I, I can see it both ways. I it's an ambiguity that hasn't really come up very much, but actually is also true for the Bucks, because right. the Bucks will have a different health situation than they did last year. Just to clarify, Dan, are you saying from a talent perspective that they might not have gotten better, but just overall because of better health they could be improved? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. I have no I have no beef with that.
1: And maybe we could throw Kennard into that mix as well, giving them a shooting element, although is he gonna we're, be of fun? course, skeptical because,
2: because they de- they desperately needed another two guard after what they did this summer.
1: Uh, but I mean, we're of course skeptical of any rookies' contributions. But they did they didn't have really like a pure knockdown shooter type of guy. We'll see whether he can become that. But in theory, there's a role for him to fill there.
2: And Stan Van Gundy knows how to use those guys well. So if he if he can execute, then they can find a role for. him.
1: But Dan, how are they going to weather the loss of Aaron Bates? <laughs> Boban, we
0: we got more Boban now.
1: Yeah, I mean, you think they're going to play Lure more at center as well? Because Boban is a tough matchup uh, versus a lot of second units with more right. mobility.
0: Right. I mean, I think Stan Van sort of tends to favor somebody in the Bobon mold uh, in that spot. Obviously, he went with Baines before, and they're starting Drummond. Uh, but if you need to, you can put Lure there. So between the two of them, uh, there really aren't going to be any matchups uh, that they can't handle at backup center. And But I think the primary option would be Bobon, with Lure being the guy if it doesn't work as opposed to the other way around.
2: Well, and Dan, then that leads to a question that I had was, from what you know right now, what is the expectation for who the starting five is with this team?
0: Uh, Reggie Jackson, Avery Bradley, Andre Drummond, and... Tobias Harris, I guess, is probably the best forward. And then you can slot in him from there. He can obviously play either spot. Uh, but at times, they liked him coming off the bench last year. It's obviously a different dynamic. John Luehr could start. Uh, Anthony Tolliver could start. Maybe more of a starter in name only. But they could go that way to balance the units. Stanley Johnson could start. Maybe sort of a, as an attempt to jolt his career forward. So there's a lot of different ways they could go at forward. I think they're pretty locked in at guard and center. But I don't know if they know what they're going to do at forward yet. I certainly don't.
2: It could also depend on just who has a good camp. I mean, Stanley Johnson has a lot of potential, but he's going to have to have improved significantly from where he ended last season.
0: Yeah, but sometimes you see young players who aren't quite ready get that starting role because they want to be, the team wants to surround that guy with the team's better talent Uh, that can put him in a better position to succeed as long as we're in the Central Division. I think a great example of it was Thon Maker. Like, yes, some of this is matchups and style that might not exactly apply to Stanley Johnson, uh, but I think that was part of the Bucks thinking with Thon Maker last year was, let's put him around our best players uh, because then he's not going to be overwhelmed. And Greg Monroe, who can handle more, he can play with the bench guys.
1: Well, also, Lure, who you would think, based on the fact that he started last year, would be the guy they think is the best to to start there. He, as we noted, might have to play more of a role on the second unit when the matchup isn't great for Boban. And then you've also got, if you're going to have Lure and Harris starting in your front court, you don't really have anyone who can guard a good small forward on the other team. And so maybe that's why Stanley would have to start, especially in those matchups, if they're playing against LeBron James or Carmelo Anthony or Kevin Durant, someone like that.
0: I I mean, I could see them playing the matchups, although I think they'd like to settle into a lineup. And you're right. It's probably the only thing they could settle into uh, involves Stanley Johnson. Uh, And you could see Reggie Bullock at some small ball three. I don't know if that's ever going to be something where he'd start. Uh, So if they're going to look to settle into something, it probably has to be Stanley Johnson.
2: So Nate, you and I haven't really talked about this that much. But how are you feeling about the question of whether the Cavs are better or worse right now?
1: At this very moment? better or worse i guess they didn't really lose anybody important right and they they got ashman and they got derrick rose who's i mean i guess i don't know that rose is going to be better for them than darren williams was last year who by the way i'm really surprised darren williams hasn't signed somewhere yet uh
2: but also remember they only had darren williams for the end of the year like they'll have a better backup point guard for the majority of this regular season than they did before
1: well, I also think, too, just that if we're putting – when I think of, all right, got better, it's just the guys who are new on your roster will give you more than the guys who are leaving. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Like I, I think of it that way as opposed to, okay, Reggie Jackson should be better. I don't see that's like, okay, we got better because you didn't make a transaction. But in the same vein as, as that, I think the Cavs, James, certainly during the regular season, you have to imagine he'll take a, a little bit of a setback especially and even more so on defense. Kevin Love has been struggling with some knee problems. Had knee surgery last year. Getting into his late twenties, I don't expect him to age particularly well. And then, of course, we got to see what happens with the Irving trade. I've said this before. I think that it's quite possible for them, at least this year, to get guys that fit more and, and would be a little bit better of a matchup against Golden State or whoever the West winner is. Even if they don't, ha- they're not as young and they're not don't have the potential that Irving does.
0: So uh, on that note, this was something I was thinking about with a Kyrie trade, because, because if I'm running the Cavs, the first thing I'm going to do is talk to LeBron and say, like, are you coming back? Where are you at with this? And uh, if I can't get any more assurances, then, then we're getting publicly and all these leaks and signs pointing that he might be leaving. And
1: and by the way, you, you
0: can't, Right. <laughs> no, I mean, well, but I I think you'd be open with him and then so assuming you're not going to get any indication that that your window is longer than 1 year. I'm all for going all in in this one year, no matter how bad they are for the following decade. If they win a title this year, I think it's worth it. And so I think about what players, whether it's trading Kyrie, whether it's trading Kevin Love, what players have a high percentage of their value tied up into next year only as opposed to future seasons. The big one is Paul George, and it's too late on him. Uh, I think Carmelo is another one, but it's tough to look around the league and see guys whose value is is such a high percentage of the value is derived for what they do next season as opposed to future years.
1: Yeah, it sounds like Carmelo doesn't want to go there still at this right, point.
0: Right, right. So who, you know, in that within that strategy of, of trading Kyrie, you're talking about getting guys who could help you next season. I don't know who that is. I guess when I brainstorm it, uh, the place I'd look is Memphis with Mike Conley and Mark Gasol being a little older on big contracts. Maybe the Grizzlies want to want to rebuild and get younger and that's not a definite playoff team and do you want some highly priced stars but like looking around league it's just hard to find players who fit that mold better than Kyrie does
2: well and then the other part of it to me is that if Dan Gilbert, I could totally see him saying, yeah, we're going to go for it maybe this year, but I'm not going to take on a ton of long-term money to do it. So where I would actually be looking would be more in the line of versatile forwards. So a Wilson Chandler type guy where you can kind of bounce around with some different alignments and somebody somebody who fits in that role. Chandler is actually even better because he has that player option for next year. So he's on a shorter timeline. I'm not saying you like trade Kevin Love for him or anything like that necessarily, but there are a few guys in that mold that they might be able to get if they want to go in that direction. And that's been their big one of their biggest weaknesses against the Warriors is that they don't have those guys to really defend Golden State at their best.
0: Yeah, I like Wilson Chandler in that way. You know, he's obviously not the, the high-end talent that you'd be coveting. And so you're settling a little bit there and would need more. Uh, But yeah, that's definitely the type of player I'm talking about.
2: Yeah, like, I guess Will Barton would also make some sense for the Cavs, more of like a guy who comes off the bench. But then the other part, and we could talk about this a little bit in the regular season preview, is that in terms of the better or worse, it's not really on the talent perspective, but... Cleveland, to me, got all the confirmation they needed that they can go with the same approach of taking things easy in the regular season and then going for the playoffs. So I just think, I, I think that they're just going to do that again. It'll depend a little bit on what happens in terms of personnel moves, but I feel like that idea of just staying off the accelerator until, you know, like May, sorry, not May, March, actually May is probably more accurate, that they'll they'll be able to do that again if they want.
1: Yeah, it's really difficult you're, you're saying, Dan, to find a way for them to get better. I, I My my approach would be just getting as many athletes, three and D type of guys uh, on the wing as possible to play ar- around LeBron, hopefully get back some sort of a decent point guard, but someone who can defend. Certainly the Wolves have been discussed with Jeff Teague and that he can't be traded until December 15th, but it looks like they're out now with all the noise about Wiggins extending. So I, I do think that the heat could make some sense, because they just have a lot of guys that I think would fit in well with what they'd want to do. Like Josh Richardson, justice Winslow, maybe James Johnson, maybe not, but a lot of guys who are just athletic guys who can defend. Dragic could give them a point guard as well, but again it's hard to see those teams really wanting to work with each other especially because Miami has some dreams of pseudo contention in the East this year themselves
2: so that yeah I, I like Miami I mean I, we talked about it back when we did that emergency podcast that I think they make a lot of sense and bam theoretically depending on on where where Cleveland feels on their on their swingmen, if they could consider him as well.
1: You know, I I said this on the show yesterday when we were talking about uh, on dunk yesterday, when we were talking about the 2018 free agent market and Cleveland's place in that was uh, maybe, I mean, for Dan Gilbert, presumably has been losing money with these massive luxury tax bills. They're in the repeater tax. Now, the only way to get out of that would be to stay out of the tax for two years. So basically as long as LeBron James is there, they will be in the repeater tax. And if they go through and they get waxed again, by Golden State, LeBron's going to be a year older anyway. Maybe in some ways it's almost a relief for Cavs ownership to get cheap and not just be paying through the nose every year when you really don't have that realistic of a chance at the championship, especially as LeBron continues to get older.
0: Yeah, that's part of the reason I think you go all in now for this year. I agree with you. I would be looking to trade maybe Love
1: and Kyrie, in yeah. fact, because I think Love's value is only going to go down.
2: Well, so another thing I wanted to to talk about, which is along these lines, is let's say one of the one of the games that Cleveland can play with this is that if they think LeBron is going to leave or has a good chance of it, they keep Kyrie on the hopes that then he'll want to stay after that. But so my kind of my question is, if you were thinking about it, just we don't have any inside information as far as I know. How would you feel that Kyrie, the likelihood of Kyrie staying long term, because he'll have the player option after the eighteen nineteen season? If LeBron leaves, like are you willing to roll those dice if he's not willing to sign any sort of extension? Well, it, as you could the maybe Cavs. wait. Yes, as the Cavs. Maybe you
1: could wait until the trade deadline and see whether he has a realistic chance of making all NBA this year. Because then if LeBron leaves and you still have him next summer, then you can offer him the, the designated player max extension. Uh if it looks like he's not going to make all NBA, then maybe you revisit doing a trade at the trade deadline. Of course, your team has less time to gel if that's the case but it does seem like with this trade request coming out if you guys had to guess like when do you think he will actually be traded
0: well i I think that leads to what the dice i'm not i wouldn't roll is bringing him in with the dynamic it would be with all of this out there and the scrutiny and the whispers and like that can so easily undermine a championship season that that'd be the risk I'd be afraid of. Not that you have to trade them before the season, because if there's nothing out there that you like, maybe risking all the noise and the chaos is the better option. At that point, but I think he's gonna get traded before the season.
2: My feeling right now is that if he were going to get traded, it would have already happened. I I, I the Timberwolves possibility has been faded has been fading out to me, and a lot of the other teams, though the waiting process doesn't really seem to be there. Like I it's not like obviously the Andrew Wiggins, Kevin Love thing. So I think what's gonna happen is they're gonna get into the beginning of the season and they're not gonna have made something. Let's say it's the December 15th or whatever, and they're gonna realize, oh yeah, this guy's really good and they're professionals. I don't think Kyrie's gonna like slam the ball down and walk off the practice court or anything crazy like that and so then they'll just say screw it we'll give it a shot and then if they get a clearer sense from lebron or Kyrie at the deadline then maybe you start to think something then my instinct is if i had to put money on any single outcome right now i would say that he ends next season as a member of the Cavs.
0: wow huh
1: that's interesting i i think you do have it right though danny in that it seems like something is going to have to happen here they there have not been rumors of specific trades and teams being involved. The teams on his list, especially with the Wiggins thing, with Carmelo not wanting to go to Cleveland, that takes off the Wolves and the Knicks. San Antonio doesn't appear to have the assets, and Miami doesn't really, you know, we talked about the impediments there. So with that not being Iran, and then the offer is not being that great, the offer is still need to be better than just all right let's hold on to this guy and just you know if he's miserable he's miserable and maybe he gets in and he's professional like you said maybe he gets in and it's just a complete crap show and they're like all right we can't have this guy anymore and then his trade value is lower and they're willing to take worse offers but it seems like right now the offers are bad enough that the alternative of just holding on to him for now it doesn't look so bad
0: what, what do you guys think of that reported offer from the Suns, where where it was uh eric bledsoe dragon bender and the heat 2000 uh was it 18 or 19 first rounder and just in terms of general value now obviously bender is a, is a really bad fit for what the Cavs want to accomplish but it, theoretically if you could flip him to another team and get uh, somebody of comparable value what, what do you think of that in terms of value
1: yeah, I mean that's is that better? Than, I mean, so if you compare the Jimmy Butler trade, is that better than what they got for Butler?
2: Oh yeah, way better. Yeah, I agree. I think I think each so, component of that is better than the Jimmy Butler trade. Oh, uh,
1: yeah. I mean, maybe maybe you could say number seven, the number. Seven oh pick. yeah, number
2: seven versus the Miami pick because the Miami pick will be worse.
1: Well, and that that number seven pick is worth more than Bender right now as well. But and Levine, I mean, maybe people are underrating him a little bit, but he of course is coming off the ACL injury we don't know what he's going to be at this point so yeah I mean I would say that's a better return than what they got for Butler which of course as we've talked about ad nauseum was horrendous it's certainly better than what Indy got for Paul George although that's a little apples and oranges because he only had one year left on his deal it's probably better than what the Clippers got for Chris Paul again not entirely comparable because Paul could be a free agent and was able to engineer that trade but yeah I mean I think that that's If you're going to look at what the market has been for these guys, then, yeah, that's not terrible. But if you're looking at just like, okay, what should it be that this guy's worth? Then, you know, it does seem low as opposed to the idea of just, hey, let's just keep him for another year or two. Do you think, I mean, is there, if they just got Bledsoe and just traded him straight up for Kyrie and Bledsoe was playing well, is there a possibility that they're better? with Bledsoe than Kyrie.
2: As a regular season team, I think there's a chance. But as a playoff team, I think what Kyrie brings at that point for when the offense is bogging down, his one-on-one is more valuable than Bledsoe's defense.
1: I do yeah. like Bledsoe, his strength, his long arms, ability to switch. Like If you didn't also have Kevin Love on the team, I think you're right, Danny, that that it's better to just have Kyrie. And also Bledsoe's a health risk, as is Kyrie. But if you have... Love and Irving maybe that makes Bledsoe more valuable to this Cavs team just because of, of his defensive versatility and he can still do enough offensively but it, it, it's a tough question I, I I would lean towards Kyrie but I think it's not
0: crazy and you're getting some other no. stuff as well I mean I I think there is a chance that that Bledsoe would be more helpful to that team but I well, think and- the odds are in favor of Kyrie pretty strongly
2: now you, my fake trade brain is going, which is always a problem for you guys. And <laughs> uh, so now I'm thinking about if they could then flip Bender or something else to get like Wilson Chandler or somebody right. like that as a part of the deal, then you can just basically remake your team around that idea and they could add a couple of guys that would make a lot more sense. And so then you go, okay, we're giving it a, we're giving it a go with a very different idea. And I think that could actually work. So like maybe, maybe they get, Jared Dudley in that trade, maybe something like Shump for Dudley as a part of that deal, which I could see the Suns mm-hmm. wanting to do just because he's he's has one left fewer year on his contract, so that's a good thing. So they go that direction, maybe get Wilson Chandler and just say let's let's roll the dice and see how this works.
0: Right, and this is why I don't think that the fact that a trade hasn't happened yet means one is off the table because it is the report of of this being available to the Cavs as something the Suns would do. I don't know if that's necessarily accurate, but that's at least out there as as what's available to the Cavs and so then it does become complex because Bender is such a a terrible fit in Cleveland but has value and maybe has the right amount of value and you can swing things around and I think the Cavs really by design are trying not to rush this because they want the impression that yeah if we go into the season we go into the season like they're trying their best to operate from a position of strength when they're kind of not at one
1: if you're one of these bad teams like Phoenix, for example, though, your offer is going to decline once the season starts because you need basically these two full seasons to sell Kyrie on staying there. And presumably, you're going to get better once you get Kyrie. And so you need to have that for the whole season, right? If you're Phoenix getting Kyrie at the deadline, you're already out of it in the West playoff picture. At least if you get him at the start, you'd be like, all right, we're a lot better. We can sell more tickets where we're like uh, maybe we could actually contend to get into the playoffs which I don't think they would but they might see it differently and so if you wait until even halfway through the season a lot of these bad teams that might want to get him to really take a step forward this year their offers are going to be a lot lower because that chance has now
0: been lost well, this doesn't apply to the Suns, but to me, December 15th is the big date because there are so many players yeah. who can't be traded, and, and that just narrows your options. And, and then maybe it does apply to the Suns uh, just in a three-team trade like we're talking about. Yeah, Suns could be out of it
1: by December 15th, really. Sure. you know, And it, not only that, but whether they're out of it or not, they'll at least have really – any delusions of grandeur that they had would probably have been eliminated by that point. Whereas at the start of the season, you can say, "All right, you know, we're, we got them." Then, I mean, you know, we could see the trade happen kind of around the time that the Harden trade did, pretty close to the start of the season. You know, around the start of training camp as well. I mean, there's there are definitely some windows here that it could happen.
2: Want to take a quick moment to tell you about. Audible. Audible is a service that I have used for years, and it is a great way, not only for audiobooks, they have more content with that, but that has really been the primary crux of my experience with them. They go in all sorts of different directions. For those of you who are like me, who prefer nonfiction, you can go in the educational route. There's some really good lectures. I have one on nutrition, actually, a, a program on that that I'm enjoying right now. And then you can go historical, or you can go into fiction. There's some some great science fiction out there, and all, all over that realm, it's not what I'm as familiar with. But what I've been so impressed with Audible is that the quality of everything is just amazing. So they're they're really well read materials, well performed. As I said, I like nonfiction a lot of the. Autobiographies are read by the person who actually experienced it, and if, if you're somebody who likes comedy, then it's done by comedians. So they do a really good job of that. And the one that I've enjoyed the most recently was uh, not by a comedian, but by uh, Bruce Springsteen's autobiography it was absolutely phenomenal. I really enjoyed that. Listened to it all for in, in binges because I I just enjoyed it so much. And you can try out Audible. You go to audible.com/slash realgm. And what you get is you get a 30-day free trial, but you also get a free audiobook. So do a little bit of digging, read some of their really useful reviews because people put so much time in. Find something that's right for you and really do give it the time to check it out. I've been a subscriber for years now, and it's some not something I use every day, but it's something I wish I did. And for those of you who also read, you can use the Kindle and the Whisper Syncs. You can keep your place I usually do a book in one form or the other, but I know that I have some friends who use Audible who really love that feature as well. So I can advocate for it from that experience as well. So definitely check it out. Audible.com slash RealGM. RealGM, like the name of the show, like the name of the site that I write for. And you get a free trial and you get a free audiobook. So check it out if you haven't already. I've been a huge fan. I think you will be too. Audible.com slash RealGM.
1: So Danny, we haven't talked about any of these other teams, I guess.
2: The next category is really a move that stood out to you. And what I want to do is instead of starting there, I feel like let's start with the two big ones and just the Jimmy Butler trade and the Paul George trade. And all three of us have talked about this to such a degree. It's basically, is there anything on this that you feel we haven't spent enough time talking about or thinking about?
1: Well, if Zach Levine comes back and he's just fine after this ACL tear and continues on the trajectory that he was on averaging 20 a game reasonable efficiency obviously he's bad defensively but he's young he could maybe get better if he continues on that path this trade could look a lot better for the bulls i mean if, if he just is averaging 20 a game and he's reasonably efficient by the end of this season would that change how you see it for the bulls or are you kind of pricing that in as a likely possibility already
0: uh I guess I'm counting that as slightly less than likely, but it's like close enough to likely where it wouldn't improve it much. It wouldn't make it a good trade to me. There's somewhere a little worse than a coin flip chance of of him being at that point by the end of the season.
2: And along those kind of similar lines in terms of outcomes, if they had drafted Dennis Smith with the seventh pick, I would feel a lot better about the trade, even though that technically was not a part of it because they could have chosen him at seven. They just didn't.
1: Yeah. And they knew pretty much, I'm sure, who they were going to take there uh, yeah. as well. Uh, and just like the fact that Minnesota drafted a guy that I don't think really fits with them very well and Justin Patton, who has now been injured, is also is something that really, you know, shouldn't be part of the evaluation of the trade, at least at the decision to make the trade, I guess, and what value was gotten.
2: Oh, oh! So I have a question yeah. for Dan because Nate and I have talked about this a little bit. But if you take the return that poor that that sorry that Indiana the Pacers got for Paul George, counting the players plus the contracts, would you say that's an overall net positive or an overall net negative?
0: I do think it is a net positive. Not hugely, but I do think it's a net positive. You know, I think Oladipo was probably a little overpaid. But he's a solid player. Like it's nice to have him on his team. Uh Sabonis is cheap enough and and you have the this great team control and maybe he can figure some things out as he adjusts to the NBA. I do I do think it's pretty clearly a a positive value in that package. I, I guess the, the question I had on this, uh which is sort of similar, but I think slightly different, which is let's say the Pacers didn't make that trade kept Paul George the duration of the season, and he left next summer, would they be in better shape for the 2018-19 season then? Would they win more games in 2018-19 alone, not even counting beyond that? Would they win more games that season or on the path they're currently on?
1: Well, they might win fewer, which actually could be good for them. But also, I think it's probably about even, to me, especially with the 20... And you don't know what they're going to try and do with their 2018 space, right? Are they going to try and actually get guys who will help them win? Are they going to... It seems like that's the path. That's what they did with some of these signings, the Joseph Trey getting Darren Collison, etc. So I think if they actually used that money to try to get the best players they could to try and win, yeah, I think they could do better than Depot and Sabonis with that space in what should be a tight 2018 market and then also of course you get the additional value of just having had Paul George on your team and yeah I mean right. I think this team could have taken some steps forward this year if they kept him around they still would have had some cap space to use especially if they'd been willing to stretch Ellis and kept George around you know this team could have been like a four or five seed in the east This year, And that's that doesn't mean nothing to have a season like that.
2: And then the other question is, what what would have happened with Jeff Teague in that case? Because I feel like that's the way that they could have sapped away some of that value is if they gave him a bad contract. And that would have been possible, but not definite. And another important part of this is the idea of timing. So if they had lost Paul George at that point. Then, as Nate said, they would have gotten worse earlier, but also then they could have used their cap space. They could have been one of the few teams that are actually trying to extract assets from other teams. And those assets would probably be more distant. So then they can square everything up at a a more reasonable timeline, probably 2020, 2021, something in that range. Whereas at this level, if they're going to kind of keep a little bit more money on their books, they're going to be... In, they're not going to be in the treadmill of mediocrity because I don't think they're going to be good enough to be mediocre, but they're going to be a little bit too good to really maximize. When well, you try to be when, uh,
0: on the treadmill of mediocrity and can't quite do it. <laughs> that thing goes
1: faster than you think. Uh, <laughs> you could get spit off the back of that. But it, what I th- wanted to think is just certainly we're guilty at times of groupthink. And where I went with the Levine question, and maybe we should have the same discussion about Oladipo, is – you know, maybe maybe we we're wrong about Levine not being that great, Oladipo not being that great, Chris Dunn maybe to a lesser extent, although I feel pretty confident there. So, how good would Oladipo have to be for you to actually like this trade for Indiana? Like, what type of player would he have to turn into, and, and what are the chances of that
0: happening? I mean, I guess to speak to the chances first, he's twenty five, has been sort of steady in what he is. You know, he has improved as an outside shooter throughout his career. That's been the the big area of growth. Like, what if he really got
1: to be as good? What if he got to be as good as, like, Avery Bradley or something maybe? Like, he finally realizes this defensive potential that everyone saw. It turns into a decent shooter. Maybe not type the same type of spot-up guy coming same off screen as overall Like,
2: overall value, not necessarily the same player. Like, that yeah. sort of thing.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's probably about the best that we could realistically expect for him at this point. Maybe he could do a little more off the drill, be a little better finisher, but not someone who's had a ton of success with the ball in his hands so far in his career.
2: I mean, there's a there's certainly a chance that that happens. I mean, he's he is a talented guy, and part of the concern also for me is that he's had a few different kinds of opportunities with the Magic were flawed in in many ways. But then with Oklahoma City, like he, they had an opportunity if he had been able to actually work on the second unit, Donovan would have played him there, and their point guard situation was an absolute disaster. Oh, I don't know
1: about that. I, I think that's not true actually. I think that they, for whatever reason, Billy Donovan had this idea that he had to play a point guard because. When they finally were really up against it in game five against Houston, up against, while well, I was talking to Fred Katz about this when we were in Vegas, that he knew what actually was the best solution, but he just, coaches have this thing. They want to play this traditional way that they think is like the right way. And then maybe finally it just doesn't work and it doesn't work and it doesn't work. And they go to the thing that they kind of in the back of their head, I feel like knew they should have been doing all along. And I felt that that was the case. I mean, if you get into a game five desperation, and all of a sudden, for the first time that year, you decide, well, we're not going to play these terrible backup point guards. You know that that was the best way to do it. Sorry, that's a bit of an aside, but it, it, that always annoys me when you know what you should have been doing this whole time and you just didn't because you wanted it to work out with the Samaje, Kristen or, or whoever else.
0: So back to the question of if Ola Depot becomes Avery Bradley value, would you like the trade for the Pacers? I don't know. I sort of feel like you could maybe I kind of doubt it. I mean, it's tough to visualize exactly that i sort of doubt i would still like it uh especially because i think they could have gotten that at the trade deadline like i think give or take that amount of value would have been there for them at the trade deadline you can play out the season you can see if in the same way we were talking about with Kyrie you can see if paul george is on an all nba track and if you want to dare him to leave all that money on the table or you could you could trade him like especially on the date they made that trade even if it goes nearly as well as could be predicted It's still hard to justify it.
2: Well, and then also, Paul George, if he's there, waiting narrows the field, unquestionably, especially with an expiring contract. But a player that good, it could actually ramp up the intensity for the teams that are actually of interest. And when you consider that the idea of future value could be more valuable for them than present – then maybe you're maybe you're not getting a significantly better package in terms of if you were to do like a trade value chart or something like that but you're getting something that makes more sense with where you're going so get like a first round pick from one of these desperate teams and maybe a young guy who's in a different place and some filler salary i could see a lot of trade structures that look different from this trade but would have actually been better for indiana that could have been in there at the deadline okay no, so, it was so, awful okay. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, so, I think we all agree. It's we, impossible
1: to discuss this without lapsing into that discussion.
2: So so then basically, we so let's kind of take those two trades. We we didn't talk that much about the Jimmy Butler trade, but we've done that plenty. And what other moves that these teams made were of interest? It could be you know, a draft pick. It could be a signing. Was there something else? Because like, those obviously dominated the discussion, something that might have been underrated or underappreciated.
1: The Bulls not signing anyone who can guard the three. I mean that's that's a non-move, but I mean, they, like, if you they just have no threes on the roster. It's Paul Zipser, and then you're talking about Justin Holiday or Dwayne Wade or Denzel Valentine or Zach Levine trying to guard threes. None of them uh, can do it. So, like, that's just going to be one of these things where they're going to be just this. Ma- I mean, they're going to have a massive hole at point guard. They're going to have a massive hole at the three. They might have like semi-league average competence. At the four and the five, and then it probably the two even until is looking average at best, just because Wade and Levine are, are such flawed players at, at this point. And I guess Wade and Levine will play together and just one of them is going to have to be the three. Uh, but it's just, it's going to be such a weird season in Chicago where they're just putting out these rosters that just like don't even have guys to fill all five positions.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good point. And then the other one yeah. for me a- along similar lines is milwaukee basically not doing anything i mean they re-signed tony snell and i understand that they're up against it with the luxury tax and and while i disagree with that being uh necessarily like the definitive thing especially for a team that a small move would make a big difference for them it looks like they're not going to spend you know anything significant of their mid-level exception even and we don't know if how they're going to get under the tax i assume it's going to involve spencer haas whether it's stretching him or trading him or something like that but A mid-level exception guy or part of that or even a biannual would make a huge difference for their competitiveness moving forward.
0: So my my mic was off. So the delayed response to to Nate's point about the Bulls, if they're tanking, who cares? Like It should be more about asset accumulation, and I think we all agree – that they haven't done a good job of that, but at least that that seems to me to be the right direction, and not worry so much about who's going to play the three.
1: Yeah, it's more just like for people who have to actually watch this team like, <laughs> this year. But but I agree. Yeah, I mean, I do make that. that point that you shouldn't make these short term moves. But it's just like just not. It's very rare, even for a tanking team, that you'll see just like no one even on the roster. Like even like those Sixers teams, they had guys who sucked. But at least they were threes, you know, like they actually did play that position on the team.
2: Yeah, it's it's going to be such a such a weird year of be a terrible, terrible year for them. Uh, any other moves? I, I, I don't think we need to spend much time on Cristiano Felicio. I mean, it looks like the Bulls miscalibrated the center market. Not as egregiously as anybody did last year, but I still like his potential, so it's it's weird. It's one of those things where I like the player, I just don't love the contract.
1: Well, the Galloway move in Detroit is the one that really sticks out to me.
0: In conjunction, of course, with revoking KCP's qualifying offer.
1: The whole thing about, all right, maybe they just made the decision, hey, it wasn't going to work out with KCP. But Galloway, number one, like you couldn't have got him for one year, $7 million? And maybe they think that's a good contract, they wanted him for three years? But we were talking about this yesterday— Detroit, like they're going to be in worst luxury tax situation next year, and they got to re sign Avery Bradley. They could really have to break the bank. To bring him back, presumably they will. I don't know that he's like, Oh yeah, I really want to be in Detroit at, at this point that there are that many people saying that. So they're going to have to probably get over 20 million a year. And then that $7 million that they're paying Galloway could end up being a real issue if they want to bring back Bradley and again, avoid the tax. Where is a Detroit like now on the whole tax thing? Cause it seems like they clearly didn't want to pay it this year. Scores had said he was going to, but then they weren't good last year. So maybe that eliminated his desire to want to do it. Like what do you think about that right now, Dan?
0: Yeah, I mean I I think he would pay the tax for a good team. This is not a good team, so he didn't want to pay the tax and they're gonna be Facing, like you said, these exact same problems next year. And I do think that's problematic and a flaw in their whole off season. But I guess to give the bright side of it, which I don't think, again, I don't think this offsets everything you said, but to give the, the bright side of it, if they're better this year, if Galloway makes them better, if Bradley makes them better better. If Reggie Jackson being healthy makes them better, they're going to be operating from a position of strength. All their players trade values had tanked. Like you can't you couldn't move these guys. It could be a very different case next summer and there could be good ways to get get out of the text like people say when people talk about flexibility I guess I'll use the Warriors as an example the Warriors are so flexible yeah of course their payroll is jammed through the roof but they could move everybody they could trade everybody if they wanted to they're so flexible the Pistons are not flexible this year but the hope is that just because their players play better because their team has more success they'll be more flexible next year yeah
1: I understand that thinking and there are some guys who could be moved. but then if they're good maybe you don't want to move them I like like
2: how that's also the charitable interpretation of what's. Sam Van Gundy was going for, as opposed to, we have to go for this year because that's all I know I'm going to have.
0: Well, but I think that's part of what leads him to that thinking, that if you're winning, everything is easier and better for you. Like, I think that's just sort of baked into him having that deep-rooted mindset.
2: Oh, I'll say the other thing that surprised me a little bit, though it kind of came into picture once they got Corey Joseph, the Pacers just keeping all their other guys. like They make the Paul George trade and you kind of go, okay, they're pivoting. And then they just keep everything else the same. They don't trade Thaddeus Young. They spend a bunch of money on point guards, but at least it's on shorter-term contracts, so kudos for them for that. And then they just kind of hold the rest of its pat. I thought they were kind of going to go one direction or the other, and they just didn't.
1: Yeah, I I didn't care for that. I think Thaddeus Young is someone who would have had some trade value. He's got about 14 million a year left. Got a player option for next year. So, two years. Although he's really probably the only guy that had much trade value on this team at that point. I mean, everyone else isn't really under contract for that long. And at least they avoided making any long term deals that are ugly. They got the non guarantees for Boyan. They got the non guarantee for Darren Collison. Joseph probably expires after this year. So, at least they aren't really locked in. Too badly.
2: Well, it the Ellis me,
0: Stretch sorry. though. Oh made my no god! Sense to me. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up. Glad we got to that.
2: And, well, and then the other thing. Qu- sorry, quickly to go back to the other point is it reminds me a lot of Sacramento's off season last year, where it's like, hey, at least they didn't screw up long term money, but the vision of the team just didn't really make much sense. I think that yeah, might be. But, what- they,
1: but they had Demarcus Cousins on that team. They actually. That's true. And they had maybe a realistic chance of getting to the playoffs. They wanted to keep him around, try to make it work with him. They had a new coach. Like This team doesn't have a player like Cousins where if everything goes right, you can think of yourself as maybe at least you know having a successful season. I just don't see how that happens with this team. And I think they would have been better off to go the tank route, go the absorb bad contracts route. But they are of this idea that, oh, this market can't take it when we tank. I mean, how would you know that since you've never done it in – 25 years and they felt like they were able to rebuild before that was under uh leadership that was a lot more effective for the times than it, it seems like now, but they got, uh, so, I mean, they're, they're going to have to rebuild this team with picks, you know, in the six to 10 range or the t- 10 to 12 range. It seems like if that's a plan for the foreseeable future, although they could be a lot worse, maybe even than we think, because uh, their offense is going to suck.
2: Okay. Well, let's go back to Monte. So they stretched, <laughs> they stretched Monte, he had 11.2 million left on the books. My notes still have them because they waived Kavin Seraphin. They still have 7.4 million in space. Like, what were, what was the goal of stretching him? And now they have this. It's a small amount of money for sure. It's over five years. But what were they trying to do?
1: Yeah, I really I mean, maybe they thought some other stuff was going to materialize, you know, if maybe if they can take in a player who helps them or take on some bad money later, you know, they could be like a Spencer Hawes type of destination later on, then maybe it's worth it. But uh, yeah, it does seem odd for a team that isn't going anywhere this year to not just bite the bullet on him this year.
0: I mean, maybe this is just about the money. Like, this is where their payroll is going to end up, give or take, and they want to save the money.
1: Well, yeah, but the stretching, the actual money that they have to send out, that gets stretched regardless. It's just whether you're stretching them on the cap or not.
0: Oh, that's true. That's a good point.
2: Before we move on to talk about the rest of the Central Division, I want to take a quick moment to tell you about Blue Apron. Blue Apron is the fantastic food delivery service that I enjoy for a lot of different reasons. And one of them that I've been thinking about because of some items that are actually coming up on my list are... Items that are foods that you know and maybe never really cooked before. So there's a beef bolognese that's coming up and some general sauce chicken, which are two dishes that I enjoy but have never made myself. And so I'm excited to go through those with Blue Apron. And part of the reason why you can do that with confidence is because you know that you're getting great portioned, incredibly high quality quality ingredients. And so you're giving it a really good shot. They also give wonderful directions so you can learn new things. And so if it's a dish you've never heard of, but it sounds great, you can work in that way, but you can also appreciate it. I mean, I've made new ways of making pizza, new ways of doing garlic bread, all sorts of different things. And that's a part of having a long history with Waypoint is that you really do gain these experiences. And you can check it out for yourself. Go to blueapron.com slash real GM and you get first three meals f- free, including free shipping on that first order. And there are all sorts of different options you can go through and... As I said, it's pre—it's well-portioned, so you don't have to worry about, you know, there are a lot of high-quality ingredients here, so if you're going to go to the store, you might not have as much familiarity with it, you'll have it in exactly the right quantities, you'll know how to prepare it, and then you can do it, and then if you want to make something similar to that yourself, or you want to modify it, you can absolutely do that. So again, you go to blueapron.com slash gm. you get your first three meals for free, including free shipping, on that first order. So definitely check it out. I've been a huge fan for years now and build yourself some cooking confidence or at its most basic level, just enjoy eating some excellent food. So we can move on to the next question, which is actually weird in this division because of the, because of what, the way it worked out. So who is the best newcomer to his team in this division? (laughs)
0: embarrassing for the, the division, but maybe Avery Bradley? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah.
1: that's pretty easily yeah. the case, yeah. Yeah, I think I mean, Bradley's-
0: Oladipo could exceed expectations. Levine could come back strong. Like, those are the only other guys who I think have a plausible path.
2: Yeah, I think it's Bradley is the is the number one guy, and the number two will start with Oladipo, and then will probably eventually be Levine once he gets back to one hundred percent. That's kind of my feel on it right now.
1: Yeah, not not a ton of choices there, though. That's for sure. I mean, you, they this whole division added one guy that you could look at as an above average starter. This
2: season. Yeah, and that one was a surprise, <laughs> you know, like if April yeah. if, if Aver- well, and,
1: and, they, and they lost two, they lost two average or above starters to get that one guy, although Bradley is probably better individually than either KCP or Marcus Morris, uh, although, uh, you know, Bradley versus KCP is an interesting question, but Brad- I think Bradley we- is better
0: right now. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's so close. I am a little disappointed in you, Nate, that you didn't say Derrick Rose.
1: Yeah. Why is that? Because uh, you're
0: the biggest Derrick Rose fan. I, I don't
1: think so. Why? Just because I liked the trade from the Knicks perspective last year? The start, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I still think that could have been actually a fine trade if they had just uh, not then used the additional flexibility to sign Joakim Noah.
2: That's a fair point. That I mean, it,
1: yeah. I mean, If you think about, and again, this is an aside, but if you think about just how many terrible contracts were signed last year, and what they would have had to do to get a point guard to just get someone who provided them with like reasonable play on only a one year deal actually wasn't that bad. And you know where the center market has gone, I don't think everyone's like, "Oh, Lopez is a really good contract." Like it's not really, you know, at this point, everyone's that like, "Look him. at the," you know, if Mozgov is getting sixteen million, like man, that Lopez trade that's amazing to get him for fourteen. But then you look at what the center market was this year, and it's like. I don't know that Lopez, maybe he could just be traded for nothing, but probably not. You know, I don't know if he passes the Nene test right now either.
0: As far as best newcomers, I'm kind of curious what you guys think. So we we named players on three teams, and the Bucks, for most intents and purposes, don't have a newcomer. But which Cavs player do you think is going to make the most positive impact this season? Hard to imagine that
1: Oshman will be able to contribute a ton this year, although it wouldn't shock me especially during the regular season. I mean, he knows how to play. He's smart. He's been playing in Europe for a while, but his adjustment to the NBA three-point line and his lack of strength could be real impediments for him. Rose, you worry about his health, of course, but, I mean, probably Rose. Who else did they get? Who I'm missing? Jeff Green. Yeah. And
0: then Jose Calderon. Uh, but I think Not Jose Calderon. Camp. Yes.
2: Do we know if he's uh, getting a championship ring? <laughs>
0: For, for, from the Warriors when he
1: when he was waived, he was on the team for like 24 hours.
2: I'm not even sure it was 24 hours. He got a jersey. They made him a jersey, even though they they announced they were going to waive him before they signed him, which is even more impressive <laughs> than the Andrew Nicholson announcing that you're waving him before the trade is consummated. Like that's a whole different kettle of fish.
0: <laughs> God, I hope he gets a ring.
2: Verchow, uh, yeah, I mean, like, didn't, I believe.
0: Well, he was offered, no, right? Could, he could have.
1: Uh, oh, he well, declined
2: he the- it. That's right.
1: Oh, from, 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 from the, the Cavs. Cavs? Yeah. But he will he'll he could get one from the Warriors uh, this last oh, year. I bet, I, I bet he
2: will get one this year. That's true.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. So, Is there anything else to say about the Bucks? We haven't really discussed them hardly at all.
0: So what do you think matters more? The, what they got from – like what, what's better? What they got from Jabari and Middleton last year or what they're going to get from Jabari and Middleton this year? Obviously kind of switching places on the injury
2: Yeah,
1: I think they'll get more this year from that combo because I think Middleton wasn't entirely healthy when he returned. I think, you know, those bad hamstring injuries can take a while to get over. So I think, and and he looked slower than usual in
0: the playoffs. Didn't he start off really hot and then kind of settle in if I remember right?
1: You know, I, I don't recall exactly, but in the playoffs he had some really rough games and I think defensively as well he just athletically didn't look to be i mean he's never really been like a great athlete but he's someone who really you know took even a further step back so so i think and also just when you have to acknowledge that jabari despite his scoring heroics it wasn't a guy who necessarily was a, a net positive on the floor with his defensive and rebounding limitations
2: yeah, I think, I think that's a good way of, of thinking about it. And it's amazing, considering how depressing the answer was to that last question, that the answer to the next one is also depressing, which is, <laughs> who is the rookie in this division that you're most excited to see? Not who you think is going to be best, but the rookie that you're most excited to see.
1: Well, i mean, should have discuss that second part, too. But most excited to see? You know, I kind of liked watching Kennard in Summer League, actually. I think he is just a really skilled offensive player. And whether he has the athleticism to create more shots, whether he can stay on the floor defensively, those are all concerns. He's also buried a lot more, maybe than someone like Markkanen is in Chicago. Osman would be up there too. It might actually even be Osman. Come to think of it, he's someone that I've liked for a while. I want to see. He plays a heady game. He likes to run. Good cutter has some good basketball instincts so maybe it'll be him but I'm worried that a lot of these guys are just not going to play at all Uh, who else are we forgetting that we should should put in that discussion
0: I mean so So my Michigan yeah my Michigan bias is is DJ Wilson but I'm not particularly intrigued by him I mean I'm I forgot about Osman because he wasn't drafted I kind of like that answer Uh, and then of course Lowry Markin the highest drafted guy. And I you know, I don't know what he's going to be ready to do as a rookie, but the way, the so many different ways he could get off his three-pointer in Arizona, uh, I'm curious which of those will translate and, and seeing what he can still do.
1: Yeah, I- If they play him at center, I'll be interested to, to watch. If he's a power forward, I think he's just he's going to be pretty boring. He's just going to stand out there in the perimeter and shoot. If they really commit to playing him at center, as they did at Summer League, and really space the floor and kind of don't really worry that much about defense, just make him the backup center. But that seems unlikely. They got Felicio and Lopez ahead of him, in, him in the pecking order Miritich presumably will be back at some point so uh, they're probably just going to play marketing in like you know a, a Miritich who isn't as good
2: and since Dan got to talk about Michigan I get to talk about UCLA because the Pacers drafted two guys they drafted Bogu and TJ Leaf I'm not particularly enthused about Leaf. I've never been a big fan of his, but Anibogu has a high ceiling. And so uh, if his knee stuff is okay, I think he could actually be pretty fun for them. And now that they drop Seraphin, I mean, if Big Al gets hurt or is just ineffective, maybe he'll actually get a small opportunity.
1: Yeah, he should have a chance, uh, Anibogu, because uh, Jefferson is injured all the time. He's just a veteran, doesn't really fit in that much with what they're trying to do. I- I'm imagining that he's not going to come into camp in the best of shape because he certainly didn't. Uh, last year Uh, but yeah so he might be the only other uh, and they need someone who can be a cheap option at center behind Miles Turner
0: yeah I I like Anabogu I I don't think he's going to be ready to do much this year but I had him as of all the centers in that tier or at least appeared to be in that tier and this is before I knew about his injury issues the the scope of them Uh, I had him ahead of Bam Adebayo Justin Patton Jared Allen Tony Tony Bradley I had him ahead of all four of those guys but it's mostly on upside I think he's very raw
1: who do you think is the most likely player in this division to get traded outside of Kyrie
0: Spencer Hawes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <was gonna> think, <laughs> by, by, by extension, is it Schumpert
1: yeah, maybe maybe that's so like a some a part of a carry trade, I think uh that Thad Young is certainly someone that it makes a lot of sense to trade.
2: Well, yeah. Like if, if Um, Indiana is sitting there at the deadline, you know, like my whole thing was that they, I thought they should have kind of sold, they should have sold earlier, but if they realize in January or February, Oh crap, we should have done this early. Thaddeus Young is a very logical person move. They could also trade like Corey Joseph or Collison, whoever they like less move that guy just because they can and lean into this a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I would say Spencer Hawes overall. they could make
1: the playoffs like like we had a good oh, question on our on our Patreon mailbag about outside of the top 9 obvious teams in the east like who has the best chance of making it out of that bottom 6 and probably is the pacers which is terrifying to think about and especially when you look at some of the teams with the injury concerns in philly for example I mean writing them in as a playoff team right now I'm very uncomfortable with doing that certainly they have the upside to get there but one or two of those teams is going to disappoint in that top 9 and well, the Pacers could be in the playoffs with 35 wins.
2: Well, and remember that last year knock on wood, we were very likely that a lot we la- very lucky that a lot of the best players in the league stayed healthy, by and large. One or two of these teams like are if they have an injury to a star player, they just fall completely off the map of the Eastern Conference teams. And so if that happens, then that opens up another spot or two. Starting the offseason or sorry, the the season preview part of this I think the first two questions will be kind of easy, and then the last one could be hard. But the first one is just ranking these teams 1-5, to five, ideally, in terms of projected regular season record.
1: Cleveland's clearly first, and Chicago is clearly last, correct?
0: Yes. I think the other three spots are pretty clear, too.
1: Milwaukee, Detroit, Indiana? Yes. It wouldn't shock me if Detroit finished with a better record than
0: Milwaukee. No, it wouldn't shock That's, me either. I just yeah. I don't think you can predict that today.
2: Yeah, and it wouldn't shock me if Indiana had a better record than Detroit. It's like you know, it's kind of like, I, I think it's a significantly below fifty percent prospect, but it is above like twenty percent, maybe maybe ten to twenty percent either way, either way. But yeah, I think I think the order is pretty clear. But then the, so then the second question is, how many teams in this division make the playoffs? Two and
0: a half.
1: I think the odds are that three will.
2: Okay, so so basically we we're assuming that Cleveland and then one of Milwaukee or Detroit. Like I feel comfortable that it'll be at least two just because there aren't that many strong teams in other divisions that you're going to sit sit there and go like, oh, yeah, the Knicks are are going to bump them out or something like that. So I think that two is more likely than three, but it is a close call.
0: Well, you think two is more likely than three?
2: I do, because I just don't see really what the question is, is just Detroit. Like, I don't think Detroit, like if you were to combine. Well, the the, Patriots have a, a chance. Yeah, the Pacers so would you say that the Pacers chance is larger than the chance that night ni- I was going to say the ch- neither the Bucks nor the Pistons make it in but that gets complicated.
1: I think I would have I would have Detroit favored to make the playoffs right now.
2: Oh, interesting. So do you have so do you have them at, I haven't at,
1: thought that hard about it yet, but I think I think Philly is just a real just massive concern for me with the injuries with two rookies in your starting lineup. Embiid who knows how much he's going to play like they've got a bunch of rookies coming off the bench as well who they're going to need time for like I just I know everyone's excited about them they played really well with Embiid in the lineup last year but it's uh, the fit of uh, Simmons and Fultz together may be good at some point but Fultz probably not that good of a shoe like I I think I I, the Pistons at least you know we kind of know what they are and what they can be and they can't a lot of these guys like can't be worse than they were last year like Reggie Jackson. So uh, Stanley Johnson has got to get a little bit better, at least Drummond. You would have to imagine can get better. So I think that I think the Pistons would. I would think that although Philly has a much higher ceiling than the Pistons do, I would think the Pistons just uh, in the average season would finish with a better record than Philly.
0: Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I I mean, the Pistons are going to be pretty steady. I have them around a coin flip chance of making the playoffs. If you want to say a little bit more, that's fine. Yeah. If you want to say a little bit less, that's fine. Yeah, even if you project them at 9,
1: I still would project them if even if I did have them at 9 as a greater than 50% chance of making it. You know, it's one of these things where like probably four teams each have a 60% chance or something like that.
2: Yeah, that, it's it, we're talking about the say Yeah, I, I've been struggling with how to do that because for me, it's basically like a top five or top six. And those teams are more likely to make it in. And then everybody else just you're splitting up that remaining chance among a, b- a bunch like four or five different teams. And so you just have to kind of figure out where it all goes. And I guess you're right. I had been thinking of it that that chance would be below 50 percent, but it's entirely possible that it's actually above 50, but below like 60 for all of them. That that's how you yeah. split it up because there aren't that the many because it's not like the West where there are like ten or eleven teams. There are only really nine, maybe, and then assume that one team will outperform expectations from the bottom group.
1: And the Pacers have a non-zero chance of making it, and the Bulls have a non-non-zero chance <laughs> of, of making it. Well,
2: so, yeah, we'll take we'll take like thirty seconds to say what what would have to happen for the Bulls to make the playoffs. Uh, maybe. Zach, Lev-
0: Zach Levine is healthy at the start of the season. Chris Dunn is all of a sudden what Optimus thought he was coming into the draft. That'd probably be about enough to give them a decent chance.
1: I mean, maybe they would just have to figure out some way to cobble together like a good defense with Dunn at the point of attack. Maybe Robin Lopez has another really nice year, but i I don't see I don't see how they can do it. I mean, I, I think they are they're projecting to have one of the worst defenses in the league.
2: I was thinking about some sort of illness that came from the fish in the Atlantic Ocean, so all the teams that touched (laughs) the water all got sick. That was my leading theory, but I'll go with those as well. And then the only other season preview one, though, of course, if we have other topics we can discuss it, is breakout players. And this doesn't have to be guys becoming stars or anything like that, because we know how rare that is. Giannis did it last year, and it doesn't happen that often. But just players that you think will reach a different level of success and or fame from where they were before.
0: I'm, I'm gonna jump in and grab my guy because I don't think there are many candidates in this division and maybe this is a little cheating because he's... He's already pretty good, especially among, I think, people who would listen to this podcast and get it. Uh, but I think Miles Turner is just going to continue his growth. I've been in on him since the draft. I like his progression. I've seen so far in the league uh, expanding his range out beyond the arc. He's up and down as a defender, uh, but I like the ups when, when he is locked in and recognizes what's happening in front of him. It's very impressive. He needs to have that happen more often, uh, but I really like his progression and where he's headed.
1: Fon Maker is, comes to mind for sure. Uh, didn't have an encouraging summer league, but especially with a, another year under his belt, if he can make threes, uh, become more of a defensive force, uh, then uh, I think he would be, have to be the guy for me.
2: And for me, I think that Corey Joseph has an opportunity just because he's going to play in a different circumstance to really raise his profile. I think he's going to probably start for them. That's just, I think he's better than Darren Collison. And if the Pacers aren't terrible, then he could get some shine from that. And also, I feel like this happens sometimes with players that you combine two seasons for them. And yeah, Avery Bradley, you know, he scored 16 points a game last year, but if he just gets a little bit more leeway with the Pistons and they just let him be happy and take a bunch of shots, I could see people that aren't us going a little bit gaga about that. Like, oh my God, this guy's an all defense player. And look at all the points he's scoring that he could get a different level of hype because of that.
0: Yes. What are the chances Stanley breaks up? I am not optimistic. Uh, He's so rough around the edges, and obviously there's some athleticism and some talent to like, and he's still very young, and it's possible. Like Sometimes it just clicks and the light turns on, and all of a sudden the guy is good, Uh, but he is – so has been just so lost with the ball in his hands. I uh, cannot figure out when to be aggressive, when to slow it down. Uh, it would just be such a bigger jump than I think most people realize And Now he he could get there like over time, but to be a breakout player this year seems a little optimistic to me.
2: Yeah, I think it's a little bit optimistic. One other guy I want to mention. I don't think it's going to happen in the default settings, but if... If Robin Lopez gets hurt, Cristiano Felicio could get a nice opportunity to shine. I think he fits in reasonably well with the way the game is going. And now that the Bulls have made a commitment to him, I think that he he doesn't slide up in terms of their depth chart, but I think they're going to give him more of an opportunity if that presents itself, and he could do well with it. Nobody's going to say Cameron Payne?
0: <laughs> I, I liked him once upon a time.
2: So did I. I liked him in the draft. And so I'm like, oh, you know, the worst case scenario is he's a solid backup point guard that's still really valuable, and I was wrong on his fork. Since,
0: I, since in, I mean, I don't know if this is the reason, but since injury, he just hasn't been the same. Yeah, because he actually
1: had some encouraging moments his rookie year, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, but he had I mean, he's had a number of injuries to, to that right. foot. So, which one you want to classify as the injury? I guess would be you know when he broke it again before the 2016-17 season.
2: Yeah, it's it's amazing how few of those there really are in this division. And, you know, maybe somebody could surprise us. But, like, I mean, if, if Zach Levine comes back and he looks good, he's going to get a, a different kind of opportunity. With the Bulls, and they're going to be terrible, so we can just put up numbers. But
0: so one name to throw out there, who I liked in the draft, and I liked at times early in his rookie year, he hasn't been the type of player I expected him to be in the NBA. It's Bobby Portis. You know, I'm I'm kind of out on him, and I'm not expecting him to break out. But there was something to like in the draft. He's still young. Like maybe he puts it together. Maybe
1: you know, it's funny actually. You mentioned him. I I don't think he does because he's just he's too much of an athletic liability and he can't, mm-hmm. he can't play center. And you know, I think he could be an okay offensive player, but he just really can't be a, a positive defensive player. I think un- under really any circumstances, I'd be shocked if he can ever get there. But Nikola Mirotic is another guy too. I mean, if he re-signs with the Bulls, he'll probably start at power forward. I mean, maybe if he just hits hit some more shots, they'll have a, a little bit more freedom for him to actually, since they won't have Jimmy Butler anymore, he can actually maybe do a little bit more, to drive to the basket be in positions other than just standing at the three-point line and shooting which he can do but i think he has some more versatility there so maybe he gets to the point where he can average you know like 17 a game and and emerge as the quality starter that people thought that he could be including me
0: the tricky thing with him is could he have a breakout year relative to his last two absolutely could he have a breakout year relative to the production he put up as a rookie like that's a much higher bar and obviously the fact that he's trending the wrong direction isn't encouraging.
2: Yeah, that's that's definitely not a great sign. And I don't do much fantasy at this point, but I'm guessing that Paul Zipser is gonna outperform his draft slot just because somebody has to get minutes of the three, and so if he gets minutes, he'll have opportunities. Tumbleweed. We can we can kinda just end this with a little bit of an open part about is there anything that we haven't really talked about in this division, or do you want to end on something happier than the Central Division? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's Raspberry season right now. You could really go out there, enjoy some fresh fruit if you want. If you're in, uh, you know, Central Division land, go go out to Michigan and maybe uh, you know, pick a few raspberries, get some wine, r- relax. Uh, just forget that the NBA season is going to be starting soon.
0: I'm going blueberry picking tomorrow. I hope to to see everybody there. <laughs>
2: I I don't think there's going to be a better way that we can end this. So thank you guys so much for taking the time. Thanks again to Nate and Dan for taking the time to come on. You can listen to Nate on the dunked on basketball podcast. He is in the middle now of doing his team previews. So you can go through that. You don't, don't get me on that, but you get a lot of really intelligent guests talking about a single team. And I, I really enjoyed the series as a listener and you can follow him on Twitter at Nate Duncan NBA. You can also check out our combined Patreon, Patreon.com/slash DuncanLaRue. We consistently have new content. We're actually working on salary sheets for all the teams, and then we do mailbags and all that sort of fun stuff for subscribers. You can read Dan at NBC's Pro Basketball Talk, and you can follow Dan Feldman on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. NBA. And I'm not sure I mentioned Nate's Twitter handle, but it's Nate Duncan NBA. And it was a lot of fun having those two guys on. We agreed a little bit too much maybe, but I enjoyed the conversation also about Cleveland and and really where they are and what, what could potentially go on there. I mean, we're still kind of wrapping our heads around everything that's going on with that situation and the unusual part of Kyrie's trade demand and then it coming out a little while after the fact. You can also check out the Atlantic Division capsule. That one came out earlier. That was last week's podcast with Tim Bontemps and Jared Weiss. And then next week's, I've already recorded, that is the Southeast with Mike Prada of SBN, SB Nation, and Adi Joseph for the win. So you can look forward to that as well. If you have any feedback on the show, good, bad, or indifferent, best way to do it is NBA at gmail.com. If you take the time to write it. I will take the time to read it. I do not always have the time to respond, but I do appreciate that genuine insight, especially if you take the time to really write it out in that way. You can also re- reach out at Danny LaRue on Twitter. But as many of you know, I'm actually on vacation at the moment. So this is not the best time to do that in that way, but you can, I'm not going to stop you. And if you want to support the show, there are a lot of great ways you can do it. You can subscribe, download every episode things really help, especially with a weekly show like this, that the date can be intermittent, you know, it's always going to happen every week, but you don't know exactly know when it's going to come out. So that really helps. And it helps with our metrics and it helps out with advertisers. Then you can also leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player if you're choosing. That's important thing that you can do. And then of course, the other big one for this show is checking out our sponsors. And so for this episode, that is Blue Apron, BlueApron.com/realgm. Up to three meals for free, including free shipping on your first order. I'm such a huge fan of theirs; have been for a long time. And Audible's the same. I've been an Audible subscriber since long before they were a sponsor on the podcast. I will be long after, though. I hope they're around for a long time. Audible.com/realgm. slash Get a 30-day trial and one free audiobook. So you can pick whatever tickles your fancy. I have had so much luck recently i've been doing some doing an autobiography thing and then i have these lectures that i'm working through as well so you can check that out too the after the southeast division one i'll be doing a mix of capsules and other things looking forward to it those of you who have experience with what real gm radio does in the off season have a pretty good idea of what might be coming after that but no announcements that's not the way i do things here until it's recorded i don't do that so you can check it out have writing consistently even during this trip up for the athletic, have a piece for the sporting news on the space race. I actually did the numbers a little bit early, went through it and, and saw saw where that is. You can enjoy that. And then you can go through, you know, the dunked ons that I did before all this. And then we'll be back, of course, when in full steam closer to when the season actually starts. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day.